welcome to this episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, where, for a quite nice change of pace, we will be watching a good episode of a television program. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned for uh, exploring brave new worlds of things that one might actually want to tune into. Uh, my name's David, uh, incumbent uh, head of a secret society under a frat house. <laughs> oh, confused by that. We'll come to it. Um, are you like me in not remembering just how horny this show is? Because the last time you watched it, you were 10 years old. Anyone? Just me? <laughs> uh, and I'm Joe, and we're all out of Weetabix. <laughs> I like to mix them with blood, Joe. Ooh, tell you what oh, I could go for. Texture. Weetabix. Sans blood. Uh, blood on the side, please. Uh, <laughs> Drizzled. I don't know where I'm ordering I mean, Weetabix. This week, <laughs> this week, um, in case you hadn't guessed by those incredibly evocative statements we've just done, uh, we watched an episode title. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, which is a TV, which is a revisited. We uh, we did the yeah, pilot the of this. Episode. Did we do the pilot? We did do the pilot, yes. We did the pilot of, of Buffy, which was fun. Um, and this is the episode entitled Hush which is the 10th episode of the fourth season. Uh, mm. And for uh, you date nerds out there, uh, it aired on December 14th, 1999. Well, we were mm. all worried about Y2K and <laughs> what else was going on. Was was Labour uh, in government? Yes, yes. Was yeah, Bill we Clinton were... impeached yet? No, no, he was never impeached. Um, world. The pre-9-11! Pre nine eleven, yeah. This is like, so we we sat. Oh, we're watching Buffy, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, uh, yeah. Like, I, you know, we'd maybe watched the, um, we'd watched the pilot, but I hadn't. I have not watched this, almost certainly since it was on TV on a f- Friday night on Channel One. You know, <laughs> welcome to this episode of TV Guide in Britain in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Sit down. Uh, what channel was it paper. on, Sam? What time was it on, and what was on before and or after it? For extra I think points? Simpsons. I think Simpsons was maybe it was. It's a great time to be alive. But anyway, yeah, this, the is, point a, this was, is a post watershed show, Sam. But the point is, is I was I was going in this thinking, oh, I don't know, and then and then for the first ten minutes, I was kind of like, oh, so what's go what's going on? Who are these people? It's, Who are these? It's quite a slow happening? start. There isn't there isn't really much happening. The first ten minutes of this episode. Are effectively like all about like teenage problems, like you know Buffy likes this guy, he likes her, but nothing's happening between them. They talk but don't do anything. And yep. Willow is, you know, going to this Wiccan thing, and like they're not doing any actual magic. They're just talking about baking cakes, and I mean that's not really a teenage problem. Probably <laughs> shouldn't be. But um, <laughs> Xander is having problems with his girlfriend. Spike isn't being allowed to drink people's blood, and living with. Giles. Classic team problem, <laughs> and know. these and these are, and I think we, the the reasons for this I think are quite interesting, and we can maybe get into that later on. But like, it's a slow start to an episode, and then, and then we get this moment, and like, I was, I was really quite taken away, taken taken back by by what happens, you know, what what this episode is, and this must be one of the best episodes of Buffy. It absolutely I it is. is. Yeah. I am maybe the resident Buffy fan here. I don't know if that's uh, 
I've, bold I've seen statement it, to make. Uh, I've seen it be... repeatedly and recently. Um, and yeah, in I'm, fact, I'm probably five years ago, something like that, six years ago. Oh, no, no, I'm literally watching season four of Buffy right now. Um, <laughs> so I've been rewatching it um, and listening along with another another podcast um, whose name I won't mention because we have few enough listeners as it is. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I, I've been watching and sort of listening, and and I honestly I was about about eight episodes behind this one, so I must have been just at the start of season four, uh, rewatching it. I love Buffy. I think it's like, it's funny, it's clever, and also it's like peak for a white British man in his thirties in the U- living in the UK. It's peak escapism because it's about these american teenagers fighting vampires and it's like well i don't have any stock in any of that so i feel very i feel very good about watching this and not being like it's not evoking any feelings about my past or anything it american is just pure... no teenagers no vampires no and it, exactly it, it, it is for, for like what the content of it is it is also pretty low low key and low stakes yeah yeah you know, like as much as as much as the fighting vampires and things like n- none of the like yeah <laughs> uh, none of the like main cast are gonna like get seriously hurt they'll be fine they might look like they're gonna die I mean, at some point they do die a lot joe but they always come back uh, yeah exactly so it's, it's you know, fine. Not gonna die buffy dies about four times throughout the season um oh, yeah. so just for entertainment so let, like, let's, let's also talk, let's... before we talk about the plot sam don't you because we haven't done the plot summary yet but i want to mention i want to mention that buffy is quite frequently is like i don't i think i don't know if this is the show that coined the phrase monster of the week uh which we certainly talk about quite a lot where the vast majority of buffy episodes are kind of like there's a villain we're fighting this week you know and we fight the villain and then we we move on with our lives um and this is one of those episodes it being sort of episode 10 is kind of about halfway through the season Apparently, the term um, I know. Well, uh, well, I suppose it'll come from. Um, so the, originally, it was movie of the week, which came from the Outer Limits, which is from uh, like a competitor Twilight Zone. So I imagine Monster yeah, Twilight of the Week Zone. Came. I was going to say Twilight Zone. Yeah, so it probably yeah, that's maybe a better example. That. Yeah, but yeah. but it, no, it's a good. It, it is a good example of like that procedure, uh, not procedural. That um, uh, kind of like things are going to happen, and we're going to have a loose plot that connects it, and then we're not really going to you know go beyond much beyond that this episode though is curious in that sense though isn't it is it feels like we're going to get into something that's a longer thread because there's all these people who are doing things and then it just stops dead and that's where i think the interest for me lies like this is a real tv's lover a tv lovers tv show like it's really yes, clever what also, they get into it, like it feels like this episode came from a a, a direct response to criticism that Buffy relied too much on like snappy teenage dialogue. So they were yes. like, "Well, fuck you." So they wrote a mo- uh, an episode, and obviously, like we're going to spoil this episode, the three or four seasons well, preceding let- this, and probably uh-huh. Star Trek as well. So just we're going to spoil everything. <laughs> Lord of the Rings gone. Lord of the Rings is gone. (laughs) We had to mention Lord of the Rings. We can't go one fucking episode without mentioning Lord of the Rings. So let's 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 get ahead and spoil it then. So when everyone in Sunnydale loses their voice, the Scooby Gang must silently solve the mystery of the monsters who stole their ability to speak. Now this is, I think this is one of probably one of the best moments of, of of television history, like. The scene when they they can no longer speak, it is, it is amazing. It is amazing when they're all you know running round, and 
you can see the panic and fear. Like, it's such a turn, and I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this, and I, I just think this is an amazing I idea for a TV really show episode. Really almost spoiled, because I know you guys have probably seen this before, but like obviously did probably didn't realise what episode it was when you watched it when when I said when I said we should watch it. I had no memory. And I really of it went out of my way to not spoil it for you. Because I, I kept wanting to text you yeah. and say, Oh, it's one of those episodes you're gonna have to actually sit and watch. But I didn't want to then say like, oh, because it's a forty four episode minute episode of television and there are seventeen minutes of dialogue. Yes. Like that is a phenomenal and amount most of time. That, most in an of that, most of that seventeen, most of that seventeen minutes will be at the start as well, because as we yeah, say, like yeah. the first 10, 15 minutes, not much happens. Mm-hmm. And then which, you've got like, which which yeah. I think is intentional, and, and maybe Dave, you mm-hmm. can talk a little bit about the the, back, the 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 reasons for this. But it feels like the start of the episode is is like super cliched and it's super teen drama, and oh, he loves her and I love him, and blah blah blah, and like it feels like it's written to be intentionally vapid and banal and completely I, I was I to be honest, I was like a bit like, oh what's going on here? Because it, it doesn't it didn't necessarily feel that interesting. And then and, and this is why I think it's intentional because of the, the, the you know, and then that turn is amazing. And so just some of the production details about this are quite are quite intriguing, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a weird sort of like I get what you mean because as a, as a, an opening to an episode, it's not one of the easier ones to jump into. Like, there's kind of a lot of backloading of like what the characters are up to. Like, you won't have known who Riley was. He's the sort of like the military guy. You won't have known why there was like a a CIA group under this Actually, frat I, house. I, 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 I'm, I'm more recent enough to remember yeah. all this stuff. Uh, what? What? Sam probably in, won't have known what? why Spike, who was a baddie in an earlier season, is living with Giles, like, and why he's now a good vampire. Uh, spoilers, Sam. They this CIA group captured him and put a chip in his brain, so he can't hurt people anymore. Um, you probably don't know why Anya uh, is like so socially awkward. It's because she's a thousand-year-old revenge demon who, in the previous season, was turned into a human. Like, there's a is lot. Is this the here. one who's complaining to the? Goofy, complaining to Shaggy about um, Chandler <laughs> is is what he gets referred to as quite a lot. Is he's Chandler. Chandler Bonk? Yeah, Chandler Bonk. <laughs> That's a great joke. Well done, friends. Um, yeah. So, but but the reason for this, the reason why what I was what I was trying to prompt you to say, Dave, is that the reason for this is because Joss Whedon had kind of like been criticised or not criticised, but he'd he'd been maybe maligned a little bit saying that the reason that you're so, that you're, your Buffy's so good is because um you have your dialogue and that's really yeah. what he and responded to in this episode isn't it exactly and, so the, and it's also maybe so, go on it's also maybe proving that this show can exist outside of its premise because the first three this is season four the first three seasons of this show they're in high school it's a high school show so like all of the sort of it's it's much easier to plot a high school show because the milestones are like well you've got graduation you've got prom you've got exams yeah. you've got like and these they're at college in this season first break and like it's lunchtime it's home time exactly and it's easier because teenagers are so so horny and we'll get into that in a minute so horny and amped up and like dramatic it's almost easier to plot out what teenagers say and do because you believe they'll say and do anything. Like, based yeah. on, you know, rampant hormones and things. Whereas, so this show, it's kind of moved outside of its premise a little bit. And there'd been talk that, you know, it's it only relies on a snappy dialogue and it's not a very good horror TV show, which is a 
you know, it's a comment that can be applied to a lot of episodes, and that, you know, it it would had maybe it should end, and so I think this episode is kind of like, it's indirect, kind of like no, we are making good, uh, imaginative, like transformative TV that is doing new things, that is well yeah. written, and that does have something to say. And that, by not and saying that, anything, exactly, <laughs> and and that's why I think it's so so clever, and it's also such a great fuck you to anyone. And I think he was getting pressure from 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 the executives as well of saying like, you know, there's not really much going on here. You need you need to try some new stuff, and 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 just this idea of how how brave it is to put on not on a streaming service that people can just skip through. This is what's going to be on for a week. There's nothing, you know, we're not going to get any more Buffy. This is your episode. This is a fill you're going to get. And no one speaks to half of it. Is 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 quite a brave thing to do. It's quite a brave choice to make when you're so limited with your, your runtime, you know, what you put on screen per week. You're basically relying on the popularity of Buffy making people continue and just sit through it effectively. You know, yeah. that's what they're relying on. Kind of, but at the same time, I think they're relying on like this being a really good episode of TV. Yeah. Like they must have known because obviously, you know, you've got a tester before it airs. Like this is a pretty, pretty good episode of television. Um, so obviously, we talked about the plot. It's basically that these monsters, and this happens all the time in Buffy. They're like, called the gen- the gentlemen, aren't they? Which I would say one of the scarier monsters in Buffy. Fucking terrifying. Um, Unbelievable. They are rolling around on skateboards or something. They don't walk, so they're floating around. The float. And so they, there's, there's, they did it with a rig, so they could be carried, you know, like with a with a rig. Or they had like dollies underneath, which were, yeah. you know, covered in green felt or whatever to be removed. But they're kind and of like these besuited, like Victorian doctor type, like demon things. But they're smiling. The teeth. Awful, a, awful silver teeth. Yeah. It's a wonderful, teeth. wonderful design. I really, honestly, because Buffy sometimes has quite bad, like janky, tropey monsters, and this was like, wow, I'm a bit scared of these guys. Yeah. Many they've got these. They've, they've got like henchmen, haven't they, in straight jackets, kind of running around behind mm. them. And... Yeah, ghoul type things. Yeah. Many yeah. many sources call these the, the scariest creatures in Buffy, and and I think it's absolutely right because you can't. You, you there's something. I think it's the floatiness of it, which is a bit of a horror trope, isn't it? You know, they, they don't move. Mm-hmm. They don't walk. They just kind of float around. It's a trope or... for a reason, though. We talk about this. We talked about this recently a lot. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason this is a trope because it's scary to watch. Think everything we know that walks walks, you know? Yep. Like it lurches yeah. up and down. It's, Everything it's, we know it's in existence. It's the yep. silence as well. The biggest thing is the silence because they're there floating around. There is no noise. People can't scream. There's nothing going and on. That's terrifying. And that's, that's where the genius of getting mime actors coming because a lot of these are mime artists and my god you know the, the way that they're the way that they're gesturing their hands and the way like that the they're fingers, yeah. you know they're, they're kind of flourishing their arms around. I mean it is absolutely perfect i could not imagine these characters these characters any scarier than what they are because of the because of the performances because of the makeup and costume and and, uh, and, and prosthetics and then and then when you get this concept the concept of they they make everyone be quiet they steal everyone's voice so that they can uh, admittedly, I think maybe stealing the hearts is a bit shit. Like I thought, mm, come on, yeah, there must be a better reason for them wanting to do this. Like, maybe, well, but anyway, they, 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 even if just it's, like it's a weak off. MacGuffin, 
but it's a yeah, good, it's good, it's good symbolic symbology. It's not a word. Um, symbolism. Symbolism. symbolism is symbolism what you're going for, Yes. Symbology. It's good symbology. Uh, <laughs> I like that. It's, I love it. it's good symbolism of like they're cutting people's hearts out, and they've got these like doctor's bags, these old school like leather doctor's bags they've got, yeah. and these like scalpels and things. And, and all the while they're like cutting people open, they've still got this like big smile on the face. I know, and they're kind of like, like it's it's really good. It's really good, and I think the horror element really comes through here. Uh, and obviously, and, they're, like the the people getting cut open are there, like screaming away because they can like you know they're awake. They're doing yeah. this when they're asleep, but obviously they can't let people know because they've got no voice. So yeah. they're trying to scream and they're getting themselves cut open. And ugh. but but and that that taking away the the people's ability to speak. I think it's like this episode really kind of gets to the um, it gets to the kind of like primalness. Of, of what happens to, to, to the town, to Sunnydale. Like every everyone is no no one can speak. And while you while it's interesting from the interpersonal thing in terms of Buffy can't say anything to her boyfriend and ah, that's sad. It's also like you see people walking down the street, you see people sit drinking coffee, looking forlorn oh, across yeah. because well the panic's interesting, but more why selling writing boards at yes. markup on street corners but you, guess what the social capitalism exists and someone's going to fucking the make shot, a profit the, the, the shot of the kid like dropping the glass bottle and smashing it like you know comes into the school with silence and he drops that bottle and smashes and it's so loud everyone like turns around and looks at him there's no you know and it's the panic it's the panic when they can't hear each other and obviously mm-hmm. and then Xander's like what can I do and he phones Buffy and yeah. he's like and then he's like I can't, yeah. and she's like, she picks up the phone and goes, "But we can't speak. We can't speak." So what? But but what's but what's uh, what? What I think is a really good choice is to retain other sound. I think if you would, and they could, what I thought was happening initially was all sound was gone, and it's mm-hmm. like they're deaf. But actually, it's much more interesting in that they can still hear doors slamming. They can still hear phones being put down on the, on the thing we can still hear all these things and we get a soundtrack as well which i think is probably essential from a just a yeah you know Tension uh, point t- of view. tv yeah like and, and just keep people going along you use the music to tell a story as well but like i just think it's dead clever it's dead it's, it's such a clever day we've mentioned twilight zone already and i think it's probably a really good um uh you know uh, analog to that type of tv a yeah. cool idea what happens when 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 that idea gets executed and what's the also, social Sam, response like i can imagine this being an episode of the x-files in a similar, similar sort of way yeah Jay. oh definitely you know totally like could be an x-files you know Mulder oh, and this whole town and nobody can speak if they're inside the city limits and you're like and the only dialogue we get during the uh then, we get a few bits we get the news report which mm-hmm. is like they've all got laryngitis and, and that's fine and then you get the um shit <laughs> The, the CIA doctor, it's not the CIA, I think they called the Institute or something. The CIA yeah, doctor yeah, yeah. who's like using the computer to talk and it's like, only they can do that because it's 1998 and only only the C- literal like CIA has the technology to fucking make themselves heard. What, what I would say is, was if this was an episode of the X-Files that fucking ruin it by like Mulder saying it's a government conspiracy to steal voices and give them to alien children or something. But he stupid. wouldn't be able to say it, Joe, he'd have to write it down. And yeah, that would but, be funny. You know, that's what it would I think be. that would be a really funny joke in the episode that he writes it down and, and Scully rolls her eyes and said, he's writing it's, the same thing. He writes, it's yeah. a government conspiracy. And she writes, it's a government conspiracy. And they hold the boards up and she like raises her eyebrows like, yeah, you're that predictable 
Mulder. Yeah, it's a, go- it's like, a government. It's a government conspiracy. God, did did we just write a better episode, episode. of the X Files than lots of episodes of the X Files? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Any of any of these X Files episodes? <laughs> Terrible. It's not difficult to do. But the um, I so yeah, very good, very good. Well done, well done all round on on the the concept and the execution. Are we um, maybe going to talk about like the the scene in the um, like the the theatre bit where they're like trying to figure out how to get rid? Well, of I was going to say, can we maybe talk about like the actual because um, we talked a lot about the, the concept and the writing of this, and I'd be interested to know how they filmed it. Whether obviously whether they filmed it with them speaking, then cut the audio and then foleyed all the sound effects back in, which is how I think they probably did it, just based on the fact that, just to be you know film nerdy here, but like when you speak. If I spoke, if I mimed speaking to you, it would look like I was miming speaking. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, I don't. I don't know. That's a good question, and I, without an answer right now. Um, well, so it's, it's, I'm sure we could have looked at the trivia, but what 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 are we like professional podcasters? I don't think so. This isn't my idea in my spare time. I um, mean, yeah, exactly. We're semi semi pro at best. So you have <laughs> like I think the cat. It's a really good opportunity for the cast to kind of prove they can act. Um, but like you know, imagine that without sound. It's an audio. It's an audio. Um, well, we know medium, that you can. So it's Dave, difficult to. Just from that. It's difficult to mine that. Yeah, especially. See, on I radio, just did it on the is... video feed, and it was glorious. Well, what we're doing um, right now, yeah, it doesn't really work, does it? But like, uh-huh. it really, it really gives the cast. And I think the cast is really strong in this generally, uh, and obviously, like you know, they're only asked to do a certain amount. But I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar is very good. Alison Hannigan's excellent. Anthony Stewart Head, who plays Giles. Is phenomenally good. Uh, James Marston, who plays Spike, and the rest, whose actors' names I don't know off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, Nicholas Brendan Schmidt Heimer, not who plays who plays Chilandler, Chizander, um, whatever his name Ch- is. Charman, Charmander. Charmander plays Charmander. Let's 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 go back to what we, your question. What they did exactly, exactly right, Dave. They recorded the dialogue as normal. And then um, remove the audio, and the reason they did that um, was so that you can get the lip reading right. Because I think, especially early on, you see lots of lip reading, and they see. they kind of like they they go to the lip reading to tell the story to say what's happening. You can see you can see them talking, but later on they don't tend to do that as much. So I think mm-hmm. that it's probably a good choice to do that. I don't yeah. think that they did have them speak the words and then um, get rid of it because when they were asked Alison Hannigan what her favourite show was, she said Hush, the silent one, because it was so interesting to do. Never done anything like that. And it was just an interesting, in, interesting process, having to know where each moment was because she didn't have the benefit of words. So I don't yeah, think they um, did. I think, it's, I, think, I think it's both. Mm. If, if you'll just indulge me for a moment, Joe. I think that that's maybe in reference to later on where the characters aren't speaking to each other because they know they can't speak. Yeah. Whereas the scene in the dormitory where everyone's trying to speak, I think I think that must be them actually saying words because like yeah. as I explained the way that the human vote so we're both work right. is you can't kind of you can't fake moving your esophagus to form words without actually making a sound. Yeah. And I think that so anyway, it's clever filmmaking from that point of view. And from a plot point of view, because obviously we've not talked loads about the plot because it's fairly straightforward, like Yep, so they did plot. they did deliver all their nines as normal and the dialogue was muted. So apparently if you turn your TV up high enough, um 
Alison Hannigan can be heard to say the first part of her line, I've gone deaf. Oh, really? <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Little flub. That's clever. There's, there's, all, there's all these things, there's all these things, you know, these little TV production stuff that comes through, but but maybe maybe to the episode itself. And you're right, Dave, it is fairly standard. Like, I mean, like most Buffy episodes, I imagine, is a bad thing happens and the gang are all like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, let's go to Giles' house and see what this creepy professor... Read who... through, yeah, read through 327,000 books. Yeah, so... Yeah, hey, dude, what... Let's see what our librarian dad has to say about <laughs> Why are you his, hanging around his, with his a bunch job of... Would been, his job is so much easier Giles. now. Like, the internet's they do so much interesting now, you know? Giles, Here's Ross, a piece more Buffy trivia here. What's going on with Giles? At the beginning of season four, because in the earlier seasons he's the school librarian, which is still creepy. But in the beginning of this, he comes to the college campus to give something to Buffy, and there's some like new friend they've got, and they're oh, and this is our much older friend Giles. <laughs> and he's like, hi. <laughs> he opens he opens up a shop, doesn't he, or something? At yeah, some they kind of like they spend this season basically being like. And he and Giles, Anthony Stewart Head, is basically told like all he does is sit at home and like <laughs> weed. In this and he's just in a dressing gown. Apartment. He's just in a dressing gown for this entire season with a, drinking coffee. With a vampire. With a vampire. With in a vampire. This studio, so, in this studio apartment with another guy as a roommate. Exactly. So it's like you're forty nine years old. Go, you're a loser, go, Giles. We can't continue to do this. So the, he he opens the magic shop in town Good. and like that's then the place that he is and the other guys are and they hang out because they're like. We can't just have this dude, like, because he has no, has nothing to live for. And they do poke fun at it where he's, like, eating spaghetti from the tin and, like, you know, he hasn't shaved in days because he has Ridiculous. nothing to get up for in the morning. Speaking of uh, poking, um, this, this, I, and I don't know if this is something that runs through all of, all of Buffy, as I referenced at the start, I am deeply shocked about how sexual this, <laughs> this episode was, this show was. Like, it's because it because it was like nine o'clock TV, and I remember watching this as a kid, and I had no memory of this. There's 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 so many jokes, so many jokes about masturbation. I think this might be the sex. only episode in which Sarah Michelle Gellar minds wanking. Um, <laughs> it's amazing because it, it's usually she, more. It's usually she's like put this, much more. I'm stabbing someone with a stake, and then it's not even like they do it this. and then move on. She's literally she's doing it. Her, yeah. Everyone looks around, and then. This is a four or five second, you know, little seedlet. And then she has to rummage through a bag to find a steak to show them what she needs. And you're like, wow. I mean, later on, someone does the finger in the... Yeah, I see she the, kind of goes, yeah. You know, like... Yeah. And, and, and and this is only this is only a couple of examples. Like, wow, this show is just, just brimming with hormones. And, it, like, it's quite it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. It's... It's an interesting thing to track in the series where, like, in the earlier seasons, they're supposed to be 16. So it's not as... It's much more like other teen comedies where they're kind of like... They're talking about sex from a point of view of people who are not yet having sex or, you mm-hmm. know, it's new to them. So, But then by season four, when they're in college, they then have to be like, well, they're, now they're in their early 20s. So obviously, like, sex is a much more like... Fuck city. These characters are quite <laughs> openly... Mountain quite fuck mountain these characters are like quite openly having sex so i think that's where a joke like this sam with the wanking miming and the the finger in the the whole miming for sex like i think this these only exist because the season's moved up the series has moved on to such a point where these characters have aged up enough to be like oh well you know it's much more it's much less subtle some of the sex jokes later on 
And, you know, mm-hmm. they can say, like, oh, we were having sex. It's like a thing they can say rather than, oh, I really like that boy. He's so dreamy. Not that Buffy does tons of that, but it's certainly much more in that vein in the early stuff. And we mm-hmm. can kind of breathe a little more and have a little bit more fun in this season. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a funny scene, that, because Giles has got an overhead projector and we had these those at things. school. Jesus I Christ. do remember these things. And when he's putting on like the bit of plastic with the writing on it, and it's backwards, I had a real like, am I back in like early secondary school? Yeah, this is we got like actual projectors. You know what's fun though? Um, what's fun? It's um, the way that he's very theatrically um, written these slides out. He's the, drawn the pictures of Buffy. He's drawn the pictures. The, the, but there's what there's there's one there's one slide that just says then on it. <laughs> Like <laughs> the, the, he's he's building suspense uh, on this overhead projector, saying, and then we have to, and and the solution is obviously very much like we just kill them, and that's easy enough. Yeah, what what they need to do, what they need to do is effectively like if a girl or, or somebody screams, I don't think don't know if it has to be a woman, but effectively in, like, in the in the thing, it's a princess screams and kills them. So yeah, he says it's he's basing it on a fairy tale, which they, they do a lot. There's a Hansel and Gretel episode, five or six episodes before this as well, where he's like, "I've been reading, I've been reading Aesop's Fables, and I think, and it's kind of like, and all I'm not sure how he got from A to B, mate. It, but I think yeah. from American audiences, it's like it's this British guy. Of course, he's authoritative and he knows what he's talking about. Everything I've been reading <laughs> is coming to life. I mean, I should maybe put yeah. these books away, and then maybe things won't, bad things will happen to this this little town. Yeah, it, it, but. You know, it's a cool. It's it's a cool. It's cool a bunch of sequence, and and again, we get to see a lot of these gentlemen, a lot of these monsters chasing people around. It's there's a bit I I can't remember her. I don't know the act character's name. Um, the one who holds hands with Willow at the end. Tara. Tara, right? So she's being chased, name. and that is like she's banging on the doors, and because because everyone and it, and again, oh, it's like there is a banging. They hear the banging, and and it's almost there's a, there's a lovely symbolism about. You know, like uh, when you when you don't have that, when you don't understand what's going on, you don't have the the knowledge and and the ability to communicate. The barrier and the, the they're banging on this barrier. The barrier there is so strong, and it's almost like if you someone in a different language was was shouting and raving at a door, you would be hesitant to open the door because you don't know that they're shouting. Yeah. Shit! Someone's coming to get me. You think. Shit, they're gonna come get me because yeah, is that a is that a I need help immediately banging at my door? Is that or is that I'm going to come in and I'm, steal all your things and probably hurt you? Kind of banging. So like, again, or is it a your pizza's here? Kind of banging. It's a real catch twenty two. Or I mean, open the door in only one of those situations. That is definitely the. I mean, the, to be honest, Sam, if there's a chance it's my pizza delivery, I'm always open. Take the, the risk. Door. There's no question there. <laughs> but the, but the, the the metaphor and the thematic stuff that runs through this, and obviously Buffy is like. You know, it's it's clever television, and Joss Whedon, despite being a piece of shit in real life, knows what he. Oh, well, let's is. not let him off the hook because he's no. Let's never let's never do it. Shit. But th- like, it's so clever. It's so clever, and I I really love I really love the you know what this what this is managing to say through I you know devilishly simple idea of let's just stop the actors from from talking. It's yeah. like you had a bit of paper, Sam, and it said, "What if the characters couldn't talk to each other? How would they? How would they solve this problem?" And like, especially like, so you have lots of library scenes, and that's very Buffy. And um, you have a great turn here. I'm not sure we've mentioned it. So there's the Riley character, who's like, "Oh a yeah, fairly what blind the hell is this?" Love interest character, but he's not in the CIA, but he's in the CIA. 
But Buffy, Buffy doesn't know he's in the CIA. They know each other from school. Buffy doesn't know he's in yeah. the secret CIA, and he doesn't know Buffy's the Vampire Slayer. So the scene where they see each other fighting, and they're like, and they but they can't, <laughs> they can't say. What the fuck are you doing here? What the fuck is that ray gun you've got? Like, why are you fighting all these people? How are you not dead? He just threw you in the wall. Like, all of that, that you they can't... So, But, but they have to get these two actors to kind of like... And oh, they, they can't obviously exchange all of that with mm-hmm. looks, but they kind of have to go why, like, why as far is, as they can to like be exchange all of that a, and then just the kind CIA of fall into and this why thing of having a fight. they got a secret base with... I mean, is, do we ever get to see the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do we ever get to see the voice-activated lift before this? Or is this the only time we get to see it? Good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see it. So it's established early on in this season. They go to college. Sorry. Can, can I just say, like, though? Can I just say, though? Like the the ba- they have a big bad in this season. What is going on? Who built this? That's the brilliance of it, Joe. That's the brilliance of it. Is it? Basically. <laughs> this is Go with me for one second here while I explain it, right? So they're called the Institute. They are a government department. They're basically the CIA. Um, but I suppose they could be the FBI or whoever runs Area 51, like adjacent kind of thing. Uh, and essentially they have a secret base there to study all of, to be honest, the demons and the vampires and the hellmouthy things that happen in this one town in America on a weekly basis. So actually, from that point of view, actually, it seems quite reasonable that the government would I mean, be interested I, in studying I'm thinking it. like they should just put a massive dome over the top of the town and just, yeah. just kind of lock. I mean, I'm not, not questioning it away. You know, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, not having, um, I'm not having like... I'm not questioning the idea of having some like government department there trying to sort this shit out. I'm questioning the decision to hold it in a college. Yeah. That's the, my question mark. But basically, it's at the college, Joe, because they're it's where the all the horny new thing. people so it's, are. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's the lecturers and some of the like faculty are part of this thing. They become the big bad later on. But I think it's like from a writing point of view, it's to give Buffy kind of like a because Riley is like a special ops like buff army guy. It kind of like mm-hmm. puts them on a similar level because the previous love interest was Angel, but he has gotten his own spin off, <sighs> which aired alongside this season. So he's off on his own TV show. So they kind of like, and he was a vampire, so you can't have her just going out with some dude because it creates like a, a troublesome um, mm-hmm. power dynamic if you're just weaving like a piece of shit. So kind of like maybe you levels know, it you out know who a he bit is. more. You know who he is. So anyway, so... He's Seely Booth from Bones. That's exactly who he is, effectively. The Riley. Who? He's... No, Joe, we can't... They're crossing the streams here. We can't have... We can't have Aurora Borealis <laughs> play some of these can. characters. It's we absolutely so confusing. Can. I'm so confused right now. I'm so confused. Let's move on. <laughs> this is as bad as our Willow episode. Where Let's I didn't move on. Let's move names. on to how the how they managed to defeat these um, gentlemen. So again, it's a, great, it's a great little turn. Great comedic scene again where Buffy has to mime that she needs Riley to destroy the box which holds all their voices because she's seen it on the fairy tale drawing or in her dream perhaps it's not important (laughs) and he like there's all these jars with hearts in and he like has the look on his face I think is just maybe one of the best bits of the episode where he uses his gun to smash one of these jars with the hearts in and he kind of looks up at her like oh yeah I've done it and she's like fucking the box the box box. Again, like it's that comedic <laughs> timing and proving that we can have a really funny exchange between two characters mm-hmm. with no words spoken. He smashes the box 
And like, I think this is where the you know the scream I think perfectly punctuates this episode. Buffy just lets rip this like proper scream queen scream, you know, like um, from Scream, um, you know, like from a horror movie. She absolutely lets one rip, and all the heads explode, and it's and kind we of get like to and we watch save it. the day. We and get think, to see the heads explode. It's not just like the, oh, far away shot. But the tension, but the tension just floods out of it in this wonderful way because it's <laughs> like a so series quiet of exploding so heads. Suddenly, there's noise. Suddenly, people can hear. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. And it is. It's it just 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 like to have one idea as good as this. You know, in terms of your writing career, to have one idea where you get to tie things up so beautifully. To have the thing that defeats these people is the noise which they've been suppressing. And also then the scream, as you say, Dave, represents like everything that all these people are feeling in this town of like, oh my God, I can... Because initially with the voice thing as well, you're not sure whether like the stealing the voice is purely to stop people screaming when they're cutting them open. You know what I mean? Like, because obviously if people had voices and you were cutting them open, screams, people would know and they'd come looking. And whereas like, you don't know if they're stolen the voices initially just so that people can't cry for help. Yeah. But then it turns out actually the voice is the thing that kills them. Genius. Well, it, it relies quite heavily on, like, there's that. And also, like we said, it's quite scary, the idea of not being mm-hmm. able to communicate. And that's kind of what's at the core of this episode and why it's tense. Like, you know why the Borg are such a good baddie? Star Trek, it's god because, damn it. Because, like, there's no reasoning with them because because you can't communicate with the Borg. You can't say to a Borg, buddy, please, no, what do you please. want? Is it dilithium? I've got dilithium. Yep. Go play I can help you out. No. And in this... You can't shout for help. You can't communicate with the Scoobies. And a big thing in Buffy is like, and that's what they call themselves, is the Scooby gang, like that help Buffy and help her resolve problems. And the big thing about why it's such a good show is because they do help Buffy resolve problems. She isn't just this like superhero action man type who goes out and does, does things. I mean, she is. But she always needs the help from her friends to do things. And that's a core like foundation of the series. So to have this episode where that is neutered by the fact that they can't fucking talk to each other... Like, it's so clever and it's so tense and really, like, it's why, as we said, this really is one of the best episodes of Buffy, which is a series, like, for the reasons I've said before, I really, really enjoy throughout, but this is kind of the it high is point. At another level, isn't it? It really is. And I think it's probably... It, it's the only episode of Buffy that was nominated, of all Buffy, that was nominated... I was an, just about to say this! <laughs> ...for an Emmy. Which seems very surprising considering, I mean, like the musical episode is one that springs to mind of like, this is really clever. There are 144 Not episodes. one other than this. this, this was, and it didn't even win. It didn't even, it didn't even win. It didn't even win. And I do question, I do question maybe the, uh, you know, TV mafia being a bit upset with, with uh, this style of show. But like... Well, what, what, one before we before we kind of wrap up, one thing I wanted to just touch on was Willow and Tara. Is that the name of the character? Maybe who they've got this kind of weird yeah. like Wiccan thing going on, haven't they? And yes, what ha- what's going on with that? Because I don't really remember. And are they are they magical, and are they also in a relationship? Is that going on as well? They're not at this point, so it's um it's kind of like the start of a storyline. So uh, Seth Green's in this episode, I think. Um, I don't maybe. remember seeing him. Oz, uh, no, maybe he's not, he's in, this not in this episode. So Willow, Willow, the character, which is <laughs> this is confusing because we just recorded <laughs> our Willow episode for the film. So now we're just saying Willow again, and there was a lot of confusing names on that po- podcast. And I'm just like, oh, my brain's mashed. Um, so Willow is going out with Seth Green's character Oz um, until this point, and later in this series he departs, 
Um, and then uh, she obviously has this like awakening and then she's in a relationship with Tara and this is kind of like setting the groundwork for this like openly queer character mm. on television, mm. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And and, mm-hmm. and, and, I've, and that's the vibe I got. I'm not, not really remembering what happened, but that's definitely the vibe I got in terms of like there's something going on this i mean there's more horny sexual tension in this in this uh in this tv show which we've we've already talked about but it, i love this i love the bit when they use the the magic to block the door like again just that that is great that the the cinematography the the camera work and everything is amazing and, and the way that thing springs towards the door it just looks great uh, it's a really cool really cool little shot um but oh, it's good there we go i'm i'm informed um and what I would say, maybe to wrap up my end, is like this has really, I think for me, I, I started off thinking, oh Christ, here is another goddamn 45 minute procedural from these nerds who just want nothing but Monster of the Week. And actually, I'm going to start watching Buffy again, I think. I think we're going to sit and watch it from the start because I, and I know not all episodes are as innovative as this, but this is a great TV show, isn't it? Like I really... It's a fun TV series and it kind of carries itself through. And like I said, Sam, it's yeah. peak escapism because I don't have any of the problems yeah. these teenagers have. Like and We're talking just, right so now. It's great. <laughs> I identify more with Giles, who's the librarian. Yes. Like, he's the character. Yes. We talk about getting old all of the time. Um, but like I identify more with him. I'm just trying to find, by the way, um, if, Joe, maybe you can give your final thoughts. Well, I try and find who won the Emmy that um, year. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably kind of in between Sam and Dave in terms of like when I've watched this. Sam's not seen it in years. I've seen it semi-recently, I would say. Probably, I mean, I can't remember, but it must be sort of four or five years ago, I would think. Um, but that was like the first time I never watched this when it was on originally. So I was kind of late to Buffy, um, but really enjoyed it. And I'd like this is one of the episodes I actually remember um, from watching it because you know I've watched a lot of stuff mainly Star Trek it's kind of like pushed all of Buffy out um, but um, this is one of the episodes I do remember um, and it was one of the highlights um, just because of you know how well it's shot how well mm. it's how good the actors are in this as well I think you can't really say too much about how well they kind of perform in this and it's a strong cast um, you've got to say that Buffy generally is pretty strong you know Sarah Michelle Gellar's doing a pretty bang-up job all the way through, Buffy. She is great, isn't she? Um, I found it, Dave. It's the uh, the Emmy for Outstanding... I'll try it again. The Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series uh, was won by uh, The West Wing Mm. for the episode In Excelsius Dio, um, which has a picture of some Marines on it on Wikipedia, so I assume it's kind of deep... Am I looking at... Yeah, looking two, at year 2000. Year, it was the year after, because 1999 is when it aired, so it would have been the, the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, right, 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 right. I was, I was looking at 1998. To be <laughs> well, that was a year before <laughs> this aired, so you... Uh, that, so, would have been, that would have been impressive. Well, I was looking fair. at that and thinking The Sopranos. The Sopranos was nominated for three of those yeah. nominations, by Sopranos, the way. Sopranos, Sopranos, West Wing, uh, that, West Wing, year, Buffy so. was how that went in that, in that, in that, um, that slot. So, it, obviously, it shows... So who won the um, say, um the cinematography one the uh, cinematography for a single action single camera um, um you're asking TV me show. questions which I don't know the answer to and I uh, well I'll tell you what I'll tell you what let me find it and I will well no let, let let's 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 really tell me podcast. you wrap up Dave do you give us your thoughts on this and we can leave googling to another time 
Well, like I said, I think it's I think it's just a a really great episode of television. Um, and you know, I I love Buffy and I have a lot of nostalgia for Buffy, as we've mentioned before. Um, so you know, maybe I've got a bit of bias, but this does seem to be fairly well remembered as one of the better episodes of the series in general. Um, which and I I think it's got it's a strong series. There are peaks and troughs, um, but. Outside of the some more of the more funny, wacky episodes, there's an episode earlier on where they all become their um, Halloween costumes, which is really fun. Um, there's a little episode later where they all get amnesia, um, and Spike, who's uh, played by James Masters, um, and Anthony Stewart Head are both... Uh, well, James Masters is doing a British accent, but they're both British, so they decide they must be father and son. Um, so they kind of like... Uh, they they have this kind of like father son relationship because none of them know who they are for <laughs> half of this episode and it's hilarious um, just to watch those two actors um, intervene. Obviously, you mentioned the musical episode, Sam, which I haven't seen in a long time, so I couldn't ascertain. But there are some really standout episodes of this. But I think this is the standout Puppets? standoutest episodes of Buffy. Um, oh, Angel. that's, Angel. <laughs> that's about, about the Bobby Yeah, we'll go to Angel and we. We will be watching the episode of Angel where Angel is turned into a uh, yes. puppet. To a Muppet, Please. basically. So, into um, a and, Muppet. And, um, and he's like, I will suck your blood. There we go, we talked about blood. this episode. Ah, and ah, I think... ah, ah, ah. I'm going to say it now, and you can cut it if you like, Sam. Um, was that, uh, like, much like our podcast, if you remove all of the times we're Googling things or saying, uh, um, there's only 17 minutes of dialogue in this 45-minute program. <laughs> 